On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. Start collecting your Irish rugby stickers today. O'Driscoll. Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast in association with Aldi. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, how are you? I'm good and delighted to be joined by our marquee blockbuster World Cup free agent signing, Fergus McFadden. Fergus, hello. Oh, hint of sarcasm there, Will, but sure, we'll crack on. Oh. Well, after calling you Luke Fitzgerald and an edited out outtake, <laughs> I just was a bit more demure this time, I ran it back in. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Cheers for having me on. No, our pleasure. Luke, you're delighted to get a former teammate and good friend in as our... I think we were kind of a bit out of fashion. We were a two-man pod. All the big ones now are three-man pods. We needed another voice, I think. We've broadened out our horizons. We have Keane Tracy and Rory O'Connor on the road as well. Yeah, or WC Daily. For those people who yeah. want to listen to it. Don't wreck the uh, beautiful brand we have built up, lads. Yeah, the brand that was getting tarnished by uh, unnamed journalists from a rival newspaper today for views you espouse in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we won't even we won't, we won't even go name, there. Yeah. We, we won't even dignify him by mentioning his Correct. name. Correct. Um, but, yeah, no, delighted to have Ferg on. Uh, he's obviously been on the pod before, and we're going to have him for about eight weeks, I think, um, which is fantastic because, um, obviously, we have a good relationship from our playing days. Um, have remained good friends, I hope. Uh, unless you're one of your cautiously at the moment, you say that. No, but in fairness, it's it's good because I suppose I've always tried to get Ferg on because I think that from my playing days, um, you know, Ferg's been anytime he talks in a meeting or anything like that or in technical stuff from rugby, um, I always thought the opinions were all very well thought out, um, and always an interesting viewpoint. Sometimes a different one, um, and that's always good because we want to create a bit of. You know, a bit of conversation, a bit of discourse around around rugby, and it's such an exciting time as well. And people, I'm pretty sure, if Twitter is to be believed, are pretty sick of listening to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's great to have you on. We're we're delighted to to have you for the for the few weeks. It'll be a lot of fun, uh, nice and relaxed conversation about rugby. What could be? What yeah. Course? What's this time of year like for you as someone who is still playing, who's been you know involved in plenty of Joe Schmidt camps before? Like, are you looking forward to the World Cup personally? Are you planning on watching it? Like, you know, maybe. A, you know, one of us would or, or oh, certainly, yeah. yeah. I watch, I watch it all. Yeah. I mean, the first weekend alone is some of the, the matches are going to be so exciting. Mm. Even that, you know, the Fiji Australia game, which is kind of going under the radar. You know, it should be a cracker of a game. And mm. um, to see how Fiji are fixed, because I think they've they've got a coach who's who's actually brought a small bit of structure. So it'd be interesting to see the Aussies deal with them. Then you've obviously got, um, you know, Argentina against France, Scotland, Ireland. So it's um, 
Yeah, it makes for very exciting viewing, but... Uh, so you've no FOMO? You're not sitting there thinking, God, I'd love to be there. Uh, listen, I, I had massive FOMO in 2015, but, um, you know, when I picked up the ban at the end of last year and I hadn't played a lot of rugby with an injury last year, I, I knew the World Cup was kind of out of sight, so I was pretty realistic about my chances going there. So uh, I'll be just looking on and, and supporting the boys and hoping they get as far as possible. So, um, you know, they got their backs against the wall, uh, supposedly, um, at the moment. But, you know, under Joe Schmidt, Ireland have generally performed pretty well when that's when that case is, has turned up. I actually forgot the, of that pan at the end of that season. That was a ridiculous <laughs> headbutt. <laughs> well, all due respect, it was like, the headbutt. You know, I don't know how you can get sent off for that. I actually, I was at that game and He's I was nice guy. So I, I like the face. Yeah. Uh, that was you were so convincing. That was not a headbutt. It was a coming together. I'll be getting a legal letter from Fergus McFadden solicitor, maybe in the morning. Slanderous. <laughs> and, and speaking of FOMO, he said he was had FOMO in 2015. You would fear well, you did miss out in 2011, of course. I think Fergus took your place. Well, yeah, it was. Your uh, friendship we, we remain friends. Yeah. We remain friends because look, these things aren't personal. I definitely did. It was an absolute. Uh, it's a, it's a gutting experience to go through not getting selected, and obviously a few of our pals and a few guys in the provinces will have gone back, um, and it'd be a really tough couple of weeks for them. Um, and how do you experience the tournament when you were in, are in that situation? It's kind of important. I would say it's nearly some of the most. It's. I would nearly class that as one of the most important experiences in my rugby career, alongside coming back from injuries and stuff, in terms of building resi resilience and building character, because everyone's watching how you come back into the setup. Mm. Um, and you need to be a positive force. There's going to be a lot of young guys in there that you need to influence. Um, and, you, and you need to kind of ma maintain, I suppose, some kind of, um, at least on the exterior, some kind of mm. version where you really want to be there and you put in some great performances. Um and actually, it was it was it worked out really well for me, um, you know, coming to 2012, 2013 and into, you know, the, the kind of uh, next couple of seasons. It actually was a really good experience, even though it really hurt at the time. And I don't know what your experiences were like, mm. Ferg, but you played some good rugby, I think, uh, in particularly 2015 as well. Uh, yeah, I I probably it was it was tough to have my head fully there, I found, for yeah. the, definitely the first few weeks, um, which I'm sure a few of the lads are finding at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know your confidence also takes a hit. Yeah. You know you're, um, you've got that belief for the full preseason that you're one hundred percent percent going, just like every player, uh, it, during that block does. But um, yeah, for me it was probably more confidence thing. Confidence took a hit for for a few weeks, and then once I got a couple of games under my belt with Leinster, I was back up and running. But definitely watched you know you guys in two thousand and fifteen with, you know I just would have loved to have been over there uh, yeah. in the squad in the thirty one at all. Um, you know, you obviously missed out in this, the, the, a couple of starts and then came on and made such an impact. It just shows that, you know, a lot of players that can go over, you know, things can fall one way or the other. But, I mean, for you that time it was pretty impressive. Came on, scored two tries and, and uh, you know, nearly, nearly got us back in the game. <laughs> and uh, what's the, like, so I imagine you would have been on maybe standby in 2011. How does that work? Like, are you kind of waiting at the phone? Like, oh, I might have to go over to New Zealand. Nah, I, I wasn't. I was... Um, like once, like obviously, if you get called out, you called out, you get called out. Like, but um, you kind of you, you try and move on as quickly as like I could. I was really good at the day I found out, but I kind of had known that I hadn't played particularly well 
um, in the team, in, like in, sorry for Leinster, kind of towards the end of that season, I'd hit a bit of a bad patch. I'd had a few mistakes here and there, um, but I I gotten it together. I thought I got it together just in time at the end to really mount a good challenge. And while it was obviously Ferg, um, would have went ahead of me. There was a few people that I thought went ahead of me, um, and you're always thinking as as a player that, and you have to think as a player that you should be there. Like you always are thinking that. So it takes a big knock. And I remember I was really hurt a few days after, but. I actually thought it was like Leinster were brilliant during that period and, and they got me straight back out into the, into the team. Um, I got to play, like once you're playing, you, like you're watching the games and you're gutted you're not there, but you're also kind of focused on your own role and what you're doing and trying to make an impact on some of the young guys. Um, and it was, uh, it was we, we were actually building something really good at that time yeah, there as well. The difference for me and you there <clears> was that I went back to a Leinster team that was, you know, I just lost a, uh, a lot of... Um, you know, guys going to the World Cup, and also there was a younger crew there that had very little experience. Matt O'Connor um, just left. Oh, sorry, Matt yeah, O'Connor. Yeah, Matt O'Connor yeah, just left, and and Leo and and Gerv had just taken over, and it was, um, there was a lot of uncertainty even starting off the season for for a while, um, so the performances just weren't there. So it was hard to get any momentum personally. Uh, you know, there was no t good team performances then for me. It was it was tough to get things going, but uh, you know, as you say, yeah. You definitely have a few weeks there where you just got to let it sit in, uh, mm. you know, and and, and um, kind of go from there. And what do you think the mentality is for some of these guys? Like, for instance, Will Addison, you know, was meant to be playing for Ulster last weekend, but then he was kind of put on the bench just in case Robbie might have been injured, but he might not be injured. And Japan's a long way away, so it's not as like it was in Cardiff last time, maybe where you can just go over very quickly. It's an awkward position. Like, what, what would what would the players' headspace be like for, for the people who could be, you know, called up in the next couple of days, given we have so many injuries at the moment? Yeah, you'd like to think they'll still be switched on. Um, you know, you, of course, Devin Toner is one injury away from from going, maybe even to one of the the, the back rows potentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could bring him over and and um, let Ty Byrne uh, cover that position there. Um, so the likes of him will certainly need to be on standby. Will Addison, but um, I mean. Just getting over the initial disappointment is, is difficult. I'm sure it's going to be tough for the boys seeing all the social media of what the lads are doing over there and all the rest um, and the start of the tournament. But, um, I mean, just got to stay ready, really. Mm. And in terms of this week of a World Cup, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a strange experience, you know, especially for the lads going on the long-distance flight, like, you know, you to New Zealand, I guess it was maybe a bit different in 2015 when it was so short because there's that kind of acclimatisation needed when you arrive and... You know, there's a lot of media obligations. You know, when you when you first get there and the, the first match is finally here. Like, what's the, what's that opening week like when you arrive before the first game? In terms of just you know the, the whole experience. Yeah, it's it's actually a lot of fun because you spend a lot of time doing things together as a team, and it was actually a really easy. I mean, as you said, like totally different experience in terms of like culture and experiencing new. Like, yeah. I mean, the lads went, and you could see like straight away when they got yeah. over New Zealand. You know, they were doing very well. That yeah, exactly. Well, like they're exactly yeah. Well, like their lads were coming in, and there's like a Mary there to greet you, and you're doing the hongi, and you're kind of there's a, doing the yeah. dance or whatever. Like, like that, that's all. I should have already directed the you question. Yeah, yeah I was just saying, like, well, yeah, like, like yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, we've, seen, we've seen this before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, so going to New Zealand then with, you know, similar to Japan in terms of the tra distance travel and maybe having to get over the jet lag and all that before and then the culture shock as well or maybe not shock but the difference in culture. Like, what was that like for the first kind of betting in period? Yeah, because I think we had, we had, we went over a little bit earlier than, than this Irish group have gone to Japan. So we went over, I think, 10 days early 
um, and we had a nice nice piss up uh, in Queenstown which didn't get reported as closely as the English players thanks to God <laughs> <laughs> not that we were up to much, that much different but uh, it just didn't really hit the papers yeah. well but you didn't have a guy from the royal family uh, you know charge <laughs> yeah, horse the, the thing is though it's funny because it's it actually is a big difference between like Ireland and England because like the Irish journals when they're away like you could be out in the piss with them like I was in I remember being on a tour like a few tours and I remember being out in the piss with the like some of the journalists were there and you're kind of chatting away having a few beer. like there wasn't any big deal like you're every, everyone's having the crack and maybe it's just a different culture um, but like the English lads like they get they got absolutely yeah. rent now I'm probably not really can, you can't really excuse some of the carry on maybe but uh in fairness, it's a different vibe. Like the Irish is, I think, probably a bit more relaxed about all that. Whereas the English lads got caned for that. But they got yeah. killed. it's interesting though with that kind of, you know, that bonding when you arrive. Like, uh, would you imagine that the Irish team would have done a similar thing this time around? Uh, I don't think so. No, I'd say they would have had their their bonding thing maybe after the Welsh game after that win. Um, you know, because it's difficult for a while when you've got the extended squad because you've got loads of guys that aren't going, aren't going. So Joe probably had the majority of his squad picked and then he was narrowing down maybe the last four or five positions. So once that's boxed off, then you, you the, the, the kind of bonding starts for, for that group that are actually travelling. Um, so I'm sure they, they probably did that after the Welsh came. Then it's it's all business. Um, you know, I think it was just a little bit, not that it was more relaxed and it was the, the, you know, there was high aspirations going to 2011, but it was just, a, it, was, it was a different culture, to be honest. It's changed a lot since then. What is it like? Is it eight years ago? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, and even Jesus, since, that's grim, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, eight years ago, I know it's mad, but um, yeah, culturally it was it was cool. You know, the great welcome in the airport, um, and to be honest, the New Zealanders I felt kind of took us as their second favorite, you know, country to support. Um, you know, we beat Australia uh, in that tournament, which they absolutely loved, and you know, if, if New Zealand were playing. Um, you know, the support for us was amazing, obviously from the Irish travelling support, but from the New Zealand as well, which is pretty cool. You must feel like you got cheated, like you're one World Cup, it's on <laughs> in England and Cardiff. I actually, on a serious note, I do think about that a lot because I was like, when you look at, say, like, a, you know, you know, was it 03 was in uh, Australia. Australia? Like, there's there were some yeah. kind of cool ones there. That you yeah, you're probably better off you missed all seven, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I'm, not gonna say, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, look, France is obviously a great place to tour, but it sounded like they were yeah, the industrial in estate in Bordeaux, worst left, so places, yeah. But yeah, look, it, it was still great fun because you're still traveling around, uh, you know, with all your mates for, for pretty much, you know, was it seven, eight weeks? And like, there are parts of it that are tiring, and it was a very intense, like, we, we had a very intense coach in that. Um, but I suppose you kind of the, the way I just like the way in terms of an enjoyment perspective, I always felt like you're kind of the best prepared team under him. So it was kind of an easy one to sacrifice a little bit of fun, um, you know, when you felt like you had a really good chance of going far in the tournament. So uh, it's a, it'll be a difficult one for Joe to try and marry. I think I feel like there's probably like f maybe two or three percent that you could probably relax a little bit. Um, but then at the same time, you don't want to maybe you know he'll have to try and find the balance between that and still delivering on the stuff that he's great at which is like all the detail which is hard to it's a hard thing to marry but I think they will try and do that we had a couple rounds. of things to get like the crack going on the, on the bus journeys because there was a lot of travelling around New Zealand you're going to different places and because I don't th I wasn't one of the youngest but um, I think it was because you know the older like I got on quite well with O'Connell and the likes of Raj and stuff even at that stage I hadn't known them that long but um, Paulie decided to, to make me the, the person who he was saying joke of the day on the bus, which is the, the biggest pain in the arse. <laughs> because one, I knew after the first week or so that I wasn't going to be in the mix for the bigger games. That was just kind of the way the team, the way it was picked back then was, 
you kind of knew, every, you know, regardless of how sometimes guys were playing, that they were, that what he was going to pick. So I had to, going to training or or from training, I had to tell <laughs> a joke. joke of the day. Oh and, you know, lads are wrecked or I'm getting up there like a clown and like, Jesus. But there was a punishment that was particularly bad. And we're going to Hamilton one time and, and Sean Cronin was actually on. Um, he had to give information on, on the new places we were going. So um, as we're on the bus journey towards Hamilton, he had to get up and give the tourist info on Hamilton, the stuff to do, places to eat, places to <laughs> drink. Yeah, doing? and his was shocking. <laughs> and they, they, there was an off-the-bus call. And if, if, if everyone started chanting off the bus, it was the captain's call to give it the thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> and it was pissing rain outside. They end up kicking Nugget off in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is, there wasn't like proper sat-nav on the iPhones or anything like that because he wouldn't have the data roaming. So Nugget got kicked off. I thought this is hilarious. And they're like, right, Ferg up for joke of the day. Told some joke that went down like an absolute shit sandwich. <laughs> I end up off the bus as well ten minutes later, and they drove off and left you there. They drove off and left me there. I ended the only way I got back to the hotel, which I didn't even know where the hotel was, was I knocked into a random gaff, uh, and honestly, it was like a monsoon outside. I had the Irish bag, my I was head to toe in Irish gear. Knock into this house, and there's a student there, and he goes, uh, he calls me in, uh, you know, out of the rain, uh, which is very good of him because he'd never seen me before in his life. I go, listen, you, you know, you're not going to believe it. It's after getting kicked off a, a bus there, a team bus. And he goes, oh, God, are you over-supporting, you know, are you over-supporting the Irish team? I was like, no, I, I'm actually playing. Um, you know, <laughs> I haven't played any rugby yet, but I'm playing. I'm just telling jokes at the yeah. moment. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah he, he, he dropped in. me. He, yeah. he, he actually cup of tea, you know, dried off. And he brought me to, I think he brought me to a couple of hotels. And I think it was the second one he brought me to in Hamilton. Uh, that was, thankfully, the, the team hotel, so... That's yeah. one of my favorite ones from that tour. I remember hearing about it, thinking that was it's, it. Did sound like they tried to make it good. Like it's important yeah. to have. But was that, there anything like, in 2015, like kind of things like that? Anything uh, like? Uh, no. Th the only thing that obviously stands out is that golf shot in front of Rory McIlroy that literally. Just, but that wasn't intentionally. Uh, yeah, like, it wasn't really even funny. intentional. But obviously <laughs> not intentionally get kicked off the bus. True. But like it kind of it was funny. You need those things because like the lads obviously found it. Like if any, if obviously pretty much everyone's seen the video. But. Uh, like the enjoyment that we got from it in a big week when there was like lots of like obviously it was yeah. it was crap for me because yeah. like literally I'm getting these texts in like nonstop all week I just want to try and focus I'm getting in the team I think I'm pretty close getting in the team and like like three three days where you're kind of just like you know going hiding in your room just kind of like watching like a, a series or something and then like <laughs> you go into the we went to this new training facility. And I remember we walked in and it kind of all died down. No one was really talking about it. And we walk in and there is literally like a 60, like a, a 60 inch TV, like a giant projector screen. And it's showing like me hitting it. And like Kirsty Gallagher, whoever, like obviously your your childhood crush, like absolutely breaking her whole laughing at you. And the lads obviously then all erupt again. It starts again. It was like it was kind of nonstop for the mm. week, but it was kind of important because like even those things, like the lads would have been asking you, I'm sure, oh, like, how did you get the, home? Those things get an one hundred percent. Those things get an energy going. And that's partly the reason, probably why Paulie, you know, put me as joke of the day because he probably knew I wasn't going to be playing that Aussie game after how things were were panning out. So that's fair enough, you know, bring a bit of energy to to the boys. But um, I, in, the, when you're over there, like, and in the team room and all the rest, you're, you're kind of cooping yourself away, as as Lukey said. You're trying to keep yourself away from the fans, the hype. You know, you get out for coffees, but um, 
these type of things, yeah, they do get the camaraderie going big time because you're kind of clutching on to anything, you know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> it definitely created a good bit of crack. Well, it's an interesting point you make there about kind of, you know, you're there at the World Cup and you're having a great experience, but at the same time, you're kind of shutting yourself off from, you know, the, the actual experience in a way. Like, and you said last week, what I thought was interesting that you think maybe Irish teams aren't the best equipped to deal with this long eight-week stint, you know, away from home in one country and this kind of an odd kind of existence as, as Fergus kind of described it there. Yeah, like I think... Sure, like look, is there something inherently... I don't of, know. Sorry, I, I look, it's, it was kind of a... I kind of made the statement and it's not... It's a fairly qualitative statement, you know. I haven't like... I don't think it's necessarily to back that up. Only... and the reason past the quarter the only, final, Yeah, so. but the only thing I, I, I would... Look, there's a lot of quality. Like we've come up against some teams where we've... Like the Argentinian guys are... They're always class and they always come together really well for a World Cup for whatever reason and they've been really difficult for us to get by, right? But like... Irish people do travel all around the world. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily a true statement in every facet. But I just think it can be very, it's a very intense environment to be in for eight weeks. And wh whether that's an issue or not, I don't know. Um, I just know, like it is, it's difficult to be away from home. Other teams for whatever, like it looks like the Argentinian teams seem to grow in the competition. They always seem to outperform, whereas we always seem to get to that level uh, you know, we've played brilliantly in the groups or we played brilliantly before, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, we like, it comes to the end and I always feel like there's almost like a, a like tiredness or a lethargy or whatever it is towards that point. We just can't get past that last hurdle for... I'm not saying it is a reason. No, it just could I be. I thought it was it's, an interesting... Yeah, I, I felt it at the end. I, at the end of it, I was like, oh, God, I'm just dying to go home it's now. It's not the worst theory, to be honest, because, if, like... Obviously, with the super teams, you know, with a lot of the boys that have come over from there to Leinster, they tell you about the amount of travel they do. Mm. Sometimes they could be gone for two weeks. Sometimes it's, it, there's, there's one a couple of games they said it could be three weeks they're gone yeah. for whatever reason. So they're more used to that. They're doing that season in, season out. So, you know, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand are going to have that advantage. And now, obviously, the Irish, since they've joined up, yeah. um, that's probably why I'd, you know, agree with you on that point, actually, about them probably being you know, in better, a better headspace to be away from their families and stuff for that longer period of time. And just, like, from your own experience, like, by the end of the tournament, did you find that it was kind of tough, you know, just that eight weeks away, like, or eight weeks in that in an environment like well, that? Well, I didn't have a Mrs. Renton, so I was actually <laughs> happy, Delighted. Have, happy to have a bit of company. Like, bar, bar the joke of the day, it was great. Um, but, uh, no, I'd see it as tough, obviously, being away from uh, your immediate family and all the rest, and just home. Um, you know, you're being cooped up in hotels, being brought here, there, and the next to different places. Um, you know, there's high pressure, obviously, for everyone involved because the expectation is so huge from the country. I mean, at that World Cup as well, it was in New Zealand so far away, but honestly, the amount of Irish over there in camper vans was, was pretty incredible. So, um, you know, uh, I'm sure it's going to be much the same in Japan. One thing I saw was interesting. I was I saw Sam Warburton talking during the week on a podcast, and it was about the line store, but it's applicable, I think, to a World Cup as well. And he said, obviously, and this maybe for your experience, the World Cup as well. You know, when it gets to a certain stage, you kind of know what the squad is going to be or the first team is going to be. But there's still maybe ten guys still in the squad who aren't going to be directly involved. And he said, in his experience in the line store, some of them kind of dropped off, or their you know their focus dropped off, or that by then they they knew they weren't going to be playing, so they kind of not took the piss, but you know we're going out a good bit and. <laughs> You know, just, you know, not basically, you know, 100% folks are clued in. Like, and, and he just thought about how important it is to try to keep everyone together and everyone working towards the same goal. Like, I'm not sa saying that you did that or asking you if you did that, but do, do you think there's anything to what he was saying there, how important it is to have a successful team like that in a World Cup or, or something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a tough one to get it, though, because yeah. you've, you're, you've got 31 guys who, like, 90% of are are nailed on at their, at their home clubs. So then they go away with their you know, in big matches. So then they go away with their country and 
they're not involved for these bigger matches and it's it's quite hard not to let your your head drift away yeah. and, and not want to go away for a couple of beers like you know there's there's a lot of pressure and intensity around training and all the rest and you know you don't have the joy going out and playing in front of all the people and and, and you know all the positive stuff that comes with that so you know, going out for a few beers can certainly be nice and you know as long as it doesn't get toxic i suppose just, you know mm. i think the likes of a Joe Schmidt is is too clever to be picking toxic guys. He he's probably he probably knows what his you know his, his starting fifteen is going to be with everyone fit going over there. So or his his twenty three. So he's probably looking going right. I want to bring guys who are going to add value even when they're not actually involved in training um, during the week, building up to big games. They're going to one prepare the team very well, but also be positive around the place, react well to when they're not picked. Those type of things like. You'd be amazed how important that is to travelling away at a World Cup for the likes of him. Completely yeah. agree. It's so important. And it, like, the only thing I would say is that it's you, you have to, you know, it has to be okay for those people to, to go out and spend a bit of time together, whether that's having a few beers or not. I mean, like, you don't want lads taking the absolute piss. Um, but at the same time, they need to be able to let off a bit of steam. It's a tough couple of days for them. Like, and to actually be, to put on the brave face from whenever you start, whenever your first meeting is, whatever, it's like eight o'clock till like the last meeting at maybe six o'clock. Like that's a pretty tough thing to do like because it, it's really, like you're down on yourself. As Fergus said earlier on, your confidence can be a little bit low because you're saying like, what? Like, or, and you might feel like there's literally no way back into this team. It's kind of hopeless. Like keeping your standards high in that circumstance is pretty tough for people who are, you know, generally high achievers. Um, I, I think it's really hard, but I do feel like it is important to, to give them a little bit of leeway in the evening, especially if you know they're not going to be like no, within to, reason. To be fair, what mm. he said, what he said was that he didn't have a problem with with guys having a few beers if they weren't going to be involved, but just not to the detriment of the team, or you know, not like kind of letting that seep into the, you know the preparation. Yeah. Or, I think Fergus yeah. touched on no, it very no, well, no, but no, I think yeah, like yeah. it is, it's it's you still need to be have guys who are even if they're disappointed, they can kind of shelve it, they can have a bit of a laugh around the place. They're not, you know, while you're upset, like it's still important to be able to you know have a joke with the lads. Especially Actually, an Irish well, team. What like were you two like at World Cups when things didn't go your way? Yeah, I was. I kind of was fine with it. Actually, uh, I was disappointed, but I kind of had a feeling I was right. I was kind of on the edge, so that kind of kept me. And plus, like because of Rory O'Connor getting the team, like Joe pretty much stopped picking the team. <laughs> pretty much stopped telling us who was in. So you kind of thought right up until the end. Well, I better not go on the piss tonight because <laughs> there's a good chance I could be playing mm, um, sure any doing, position as well. Sure he's <laughs> sure he doing that for that reason as well. I think, I, honestly, it was because Rhodes wasn't was getting the team. It was a, like it was a nightmare. It was a because he literally started like delaying even telling the team. And the, remember, mm. the, you remember the press conferences because he was so pissed off that there was so few mm. people were obviously leaking it to Rhodes. Yeah. Um, but um, our, t- our team was announced on Mondays. Actually, I think it was on yeah. under Decky in 2011, and by you know. Eight o'clock that evening, there'd be lads in pretty much tuxedos. There'd be lads that you. I, I used to remember with canes and stuff, just kind of dancing around. But, no, <laughs> like but, dumb and dumber, yeah. No, but it's like th- those guys are, are off on the Tuesday. Sorry, when you got the day off, those lads would go spend a bit of time together because you don't want to be agony ants to the guys who are actually getting ready to play in the, mm. some of the biggest matches of their whole career as well. So you kind of hang with those guys a bit more. You've got small bit of more flexibility to actually go out get out of the hotel go for a few beers we say whatever but um yeah it's a tough it's a tough one to manage because if you turn into that guy the whole time um you know it's hard not to get into a couple of bad habits as we say it's mm. it's an eight week competition yeah. it goes on for a while so mm-hmm. um you know you want to make sure yeah, you keep I, your head I remember on the, the lions tour we had andy Powell was on our our tour and like like a bigger character you will not meet like this just an absolute legend but he knew fairly early he wasn't going to be involved 
Um, like he went out, I think it was 16 of the last 18 nights he went in the piss. Um, and honestly, he was he was brilliant for the tour because he was still happy around the place. He still showed up for training. Um, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And honestly, we had so much crack, like kind of him, he was telling stories like on the bus or what he got up to la la like last night. There was a few, like as Ferg said, like you could be having a coffee in the hotel lobby and you'd see the lads who were like in the, the kind of dirt trackers as we used to call them or the lads call them as well. The the lads in the middle of the, of, of the week who were saying might have played a Wednesday but aren't playing on the weekend or knew they weren't. And you'd nearly see them like honestly be like the shiny shoes, the, <laughs> like they were dressed to the nines, and it was kind of good. Like you'd have a bit of a laugh, but it kept your spirits up, and it kept their spirits up. Um, and I think as long as you showed up at training, um, you know, not in in bad condition, and and put in a good shift for the lads and prepared them well, I always think that they, that that went down. It was actually a positive for the team, to be honest with you. Uh, one thing I'd like to ask you about your World Cup experience, and I'm kind of allowed to bring it up, but Johnny Sexton was interviewed last week and he talked about it, so I'd like to ask your opinion on it. He was talking about when it was himself and O'Gar, obviously, that was the big controversy, who should play, and he mm. said that he kind of almost hated playing for Ireland at the time because he felt like half the country didn't want him playing or that just the whole thing, you know, there'd be a kick and then O'Gar would be shown on the big screen sitting on the bench. Like, for someone in that squad in the back line as well, like, what did you, what was what were your thoughts when this was going on when it was O'Gar versus Sexton? Like, because there was, you know, Declan Kidney did like to go back and forth, so it wasn't kind of, it was never really clear who was actually number one. Yeah, true. And even during that tournament, none of us knew either because it was changing, you know, from uh, Australia to Wales and, um, you know, different different spots. I think Johnny had said in that interview that um, him missing one of the kicks against Australia, was it? And then Raj knocked over the next one and that probably tipped in his favour to get picked against Wales. But listen, I think that... Um, you know, being amongst the Raj and uh, Johnny um, rivalry, I suppose, because I were very closely at that time when, you know, I would have gone kicking with those two guys. The, the kickers on that tour were Paddy Wallace, myself, Raj and Johnny. And listen, sometimes the bus journeys to and from uh, training with, uh, you know, we're frosty-ish, you know, depending on how selection had gone for, for whoever, but... I always knew in my heart of hearts those guys were going to get on great. They're too similar as people, yeah. um, to be honest. And even you could see at the time, even though they didn't like it, there'd be a bit of crack. I'd usually be the mediator, <laughs> like crack a gag, and they'd, they'd jump in with something. The two and kind of half laugh, look at each other, and then like go the other way, <laughs> take a kick from the other side. But um, yeah, listen, I think it brought brought out the best in Johnny long term, and he probably, you know, he said himself that he's learned a lot from that period um, of time, and that maybe he was worrying a little bit too much about Ronan and I think when he's got his you know his head just focused on himself we, we all know what he can do yeah it was a crazy time it was a good crack though great like from a TV perspective like I always thought it was such bad form like it was almost like we were we were shafting like <laughs> the guy so like whenever Johnny was playing like and he misses a kick it like it just goes straight to Raj like just <laughs> sitting on the bench and you're kind of saying like it must be kind of awkward for him as well. Like, you can see him nearly going, yeah, I, I, can, I told you so. Like, you, you have to be picking me. Like, uh, I just thought it was like, what, only in Ireland will we be like, have a guy who's getting picked and we literally have his replacement, like, and he's literally getting 30 seconds of pure camera cam. time. The yeah. first ever replacement <laughs> It's like, like, we should be picking this guy or have we thought about this? Everyone's been thinking about it. That's all we've talked about. Um, well, no other... kidney was having any easily swayed. <laughs> yeah, like, but, so. no, but no other team but actually has talk, ever done that. There was talk of them playing 10 and 12, wasn't there? There was. Well, it's not Australia yeah, game. That's yeah, where they were did, when they came in. They did yeah, a bit yeah. and there was, it didn't go that way for the Welsh game, but there was talk of it happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the problems on that World, World Cup probably was, was, you know, that is your pivotal position 10. Mm. So in the bigger matches, you want him playing 
all the games. And I suppose, unfortunately, um, maybe down to form or the coach's opinion, there wasn't really much consistency there with that, which probably filtered through into how the team was then ended up playing mm. against Wales, really. So that's not going to be the case this time. You know, Johnny is fit. Johnny is, is you know, marching the team around. So, um, and you saw the difference that he made against Wales. So, mm. yeah. I have one last question before maybe just move into the actual kind of stuff about the weekend is, you know, in terms of the, the, the physical preparation now, obviously this this was our pre-season, Ireland's pre-season versus as we've talked about before, the Southern Hemisphere teams who've come from their competitions into it. Like, so when will Ireland be aiming to be at their, you know, their physical peak? You know, is it now? Is it, are they still kind of, I see they're still doing gym sessions. Like, is this to maintain? Is this still the building? Gym all the time. So yeah, yeah so it's, you, that's just, uh, yeah. you just do that all yeah, the time. Yeah, but is this to maintain? But are, are they still looking to go up another yeah, gear? Or are they plotting the quarterfinals? As, oh, that's when we want to really be in our physical yeah. I'm, it's funny, I met, I actually met Johnny um, after, God, was it before the Welsh game he was playing, actually, the last one, and um, I was in Riverview, I think, and uh, he whatever was with his kids, and I was kind of chatting away to him, and I was kind of like, jeez, I've kind of been a bit critical the last while, like, I wonder, wonder how this is going to go, <laughs> is I'm going to get one in the jaw here, uh, but anyway, no, we obviously get on great, so we had a bit of a laugh, or whatever, and we were chatting away, and I said, oh, you know, I was kind of saying, oh, I presume it'll be, it, things will turn around. It could have been before the first Welsh game, actually. I was saying, oh, I actually didn't really think the English one mattered at all. I kind of assumed you guys had done, like, a massive amount of work in Portugal the week before and that you were kind of preparing to really peak for that quarter final. And he was like, no, it was like, definitely Scotland, looking to peak for Scotland. Um, so that's kind of interesting because I would have thought that they would have tried to kind of maybe, so, the, and the way they peak it, so the way the, the, the strength and conditioners kind of peak that is that, They'll kind of do like more slightly more strenuous kind of weight sessions during the weeks of say, um, like for example, if you're in Leinster, your your training sessions will kind of peak in terms of volume, um, maybe like two or three weeks before your big game, and then you start tapering, 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 and literally the week of like your first Heineken Cup game, you're literally like instead of doing any weights, you could be doing like any heavy weights, you'll be doing like one rep of a bench press, or you'll be doing like a jump with no weight, or you you know it's kind of like they really taper down so that's kind of light load but it's purely based on kind of power and you're kind of really primed to like explode on, 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 on the weekend for the big games. So I had kind of thought that that's how they'd build it, but it sounds like they're really building for this Scotland one. So um, I think from the horse's mouth, that's what they're going for, you know, which makes sense, I suppose, because like you want to be, if you start off well there, you build a bit of momentum, I think. Yeah, yeah well, I think, I mean, God, God forbid it doesn't happen, but if they lose against Scotland, I'm... I, I can imagine that the Japanese are going to target the loser of that game. So they're probably going to go, right, if we, if we beat the loser of that game, we can we can come second in this group. I'm sure they're looking at that, you know, mm, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. they just, it it bears so much more importance on that first game. So, um, I mean, realistically, it's for us to top that group. But does it put us in an easier position in the quarterfinal? N not really. Um you know, that's up for debate, but like, mm. would you rather play South Africa or New Zealand? So it's going to be a tough route regardless, but just good for confidence, you know, get the boys going a bit more after yeah, a good win against Wales. They beat, they beat Scotland well. Um, you know, you'd like to think they will get through that group. And, and then if you can keep guys on their feet and not pick up any more injuries, because I don't think we're in a position to pick up any more at this stage, 
then you'd like to think we'd be in a good enough position going into that quarter. Yeah, one last question before we go on to those injuries and in the match. It was a 2011 in the build-up where the, the fitness sessions were insane. And I think I heard it was someone telling a story recently and just like everyone was vomiting and cramping and they couldn't move their arms or something. Or that like, was me. Was like, <laughs> that it was Shawnee slagging me about it still to this day. Do you remember we doing those fitness sessions? And we used to do like, used to wrestle. Shawnee stayed on the show, did he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's you're throwing the recesses of your memory there from when Shawnee was yeah. slagging me about 2011. It's like an Alzheimer's patient. It was <laughs> <laughs> Luke looked like he was having a stroke at the time, but he was <laughs> continuing to run. Because we used to, so what you used to do is they used to do like these running. So you like do like all these like really hard kind of running, and then in between them, you used to do like this wrestling. And I remember, I think it was Gavin, it was Gavin Duffy. You used to always pair you up with someone who you were kind of similar positions, guys you were kind of competing against. So just to create an extra little bit of edge and maybe like kind of similar sizes. And anyway, I remember Gavin Duffy, he used to like be, a, he was a puker. You know, you'd see them in fitness things all the time. And he literally, he just, after a couple, he bump puke. But in the middle of the, like he'd come do the sprint, puke and then I couldn't wrestle him so the, the strength and conditioning coach at the time who was a like, great guy he's over in Saracens Phil Morrow uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really good guy but absolutely mustered so I do the sprint you're supposed to be like wrestling with someone who's knackered as well and then Phil Morrow used to come in and wrestle with me and I, yeah. <laughs> I mean absolutely Shattered. Phil's, like, got, I'm not, Phil's got a bit of edge. Oh, he's like, edgy as well. Guy, <laughs> tough guy, but like, <laughs> so a like bit of a temper, you know? <laughs> so you do things like you're trying to like, uh, like get so, like you'd be lying flat on your back and you're trying to have to like get this guy off you. Um, <laughs> and it, like, it sounds, doesn't sound that bad, but after doing a few sprints, like wrestling, like when you look at MMA guys, it's so, like it's the, it's the most strenuous thing you can do is wrestling with another guy who's kind of similar size, similar strength. Um, and anyway, <laughs> we ended up finishing on these big kind of almost like suicides. I don't know what you call them, but like like hundred meter sprints. You can't excuse these arm spasms. For the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah was, get to the arm spasms. To, to, keep going. Nah, 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 nah. I saw it. Five minutes. Five minutes. Normally, you're just laying a five minute excuse. It was Oh, sorry. It was just a funny. I thought it was really funny yeah. because if if he, so, we got to this last sprint and literally. I'm, I wouldn't be the fittest anyway for like doing like real long. I was good at like short bursts and like we're doing these ones and like my arms, I'm like, I can't, I'm like last of the bunch coming in and my arms are like straight. <laughs> just trying to get like any kind of motion to keep me going. I'm pretty sure your but feet are like turned inwards as well. <laughs> your running turned real weird. Like everything was cramping. Your game and, was uh, And you're just like trying not, like everyone's like, come on, just finish it, finish it. And like the next group of guys were coming in like watching this as well. Like, so there's like lads puking, there's me like running like an absolute, like, like an absolute moron. Uh, Meanwhile, like, I was shouting over to Declan Kidney. Uh, he's he's cramping. He's cramping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's cramping. That was the moment. <laughs> his, his, his arms are gone. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so, like the other so used to do a split the group. The other half used to come in and they'd be watching. And, like the fear coming in as the second group watching. Yeah. So like Ferg is one of those guys who. Like he's just a freak for fitness. Like he just um, he he fitness is like his dream. Like he just like he can go to the dark places. <laughs> it's I don't know. I, it's like Ferg would be one of those lads who you're like saying fucking like you're because your old man was like brilliant fitness. He was like in the army, wasn't he? Win some kind of yeah, fitness yeah. thing in the army. Like he's it's in the genes. Like he can just keep going and going. Whereas me, <laughs> it's the worst thing when you're competing with well, someone like I that. I think I read something once when you said it was like the, it was like a Q and A. It's like who's the best fitness person? It's like Ferg's and and he goes to a dark place in a fitness session. Oh, I don't know what that means. It, it, it means like when everyone else is, and he, you'd be shattered as well. Like it, it's mm. an awful place, but some but people his arms can, would be working. Some his arms, <laughs> his arms would be working. But some people can hang tougher in there for longer. Yeah. It's a great skill to have, obviously. You know. Yeah. Well, on that note, we might move on to the weekend, uh, the weekend's games. Fergus, obviously Ireland versus Scotland, and Josh Smith's in an interesting predicament. Like we obviously talked about the people on standby earlier. He's decided not to call up anyone at the moment. Although Robbie Henshaw and Keith Earls have injuries, which 
you know, we don't really know what the prognosis is. Rob Carney as well has picked up a calf injury. So a lot of uncertainty going into your first game. And if, if the plan is to peak for Scotland, it's, it's not ideal to be going at it when you only have, I think, six fit outside backs for six positions. It's a tough one, yeah, it is a tough one. And you got three backs there that are nailed on starters, really, um, for for that, that first game, you know, leading into it. Um, so it's tough. It's tough for the boys. But um, I think it's it's going to be hard, interesting to, to see what he goes with, the combinations. Um, like, I mean, you'd imagine that, that Bundy Aki and, and, and Gary will, will be in the centre there. Um, that would be also a great partnership and then in the back three it's just it's tough to know um, yeah. I mean you don't really have many different options but it's just about who he's going to put at full back um, you know who's Conway gonna, or Lamb or who would you have yeah um, it's a do you know what it's a tough one I I think you know, from playing with Jordan at full back I, he's incredible I think he's will be one of the best uh, full backs in the world and I think that this is a stage if he gets his opportunity it'll he will springboard i think you know the argentinian game maybe didn't cover himself in glory um with one or two things but he's played his best rugby for 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 leinster at fullback some incredible performances over the past two seasons so i'd like i'd like to see him there andy conway's done a great job on the wing anytime he's got an opportunity under joe schmidt so but it's tough to know i think that there's a chance he might go with Conway there though and leave Jordan mm. on the wing. Jordan's probably played more bigger games un under Joe on the wing, so he might go Stockdale, uh, Jordan and, and Conway. But there's not that many different. And with the forecast yeah. options, is it? The forecast no, is for so. you know torrential rain. Uh, like so, Scotland, you'd assume would look to target whoever is playing fullback. You know, so that could be another consideration. You know, Andrew Conway's very very strong in the air. Jordan Lammer, I guess, in his fullback exposure for Ireland, you know, has struggled a small bit under the high ball. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, it, it takes a long time to actually learn that 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 kind of skill, particularly in an environment where in international rugby the guys are not they're not always bigger, but they're usually the best athletes. They're usually the most rounded kind of in terms of skill, and usually the kickers are excellent at international level. So they're all they're usually you're, you have to feel them like to, to do what Rob Carney's done over ten years in the air, um, in a career. Like, it's pretty spectacular. Israel Falau, like it's pe people don't understand how how hard that is. Like how t how you know the tactical tactical kicking is usually excellent like you're you know you're coming up against the Farrell you know you're coming up against uh, I don't know Bigger. maybe yeah like th kind of those guys like Johnny Sexton you know these guys they can put it on a sixpence you know and it's really high pressure with big guys who can compete and who are good in the air so it's difficult for him at some at some stage he's going to have to learn it um I, I think I still think he's very good there. I think he, yeah. for Leinster he's been very good there. Mm. Uh, he's improved but, massively. But he just yeah. you know, so uh, for Joe he's looking at it going, you know, he got an opportunity to full back against Argentina mm. and there's one or two, you know, they look like dead ducks to be honest. The ones that were coming yeah, down yeah, over yeah. the they're, they're tough hard for to any, catch, anyone yeah, to catch. To catch yeah. Didn't catch them and then I think cause a try and he's looking back on you know has Conway been better in the air? Maybe he could be a better option for that day at fullback, yeah. but. I, mean, I think he's because he's played a little bit more there probably over a longer period from Munster and I think the air thing like Conway's actually seen as a like there's been lots of talk of him being really good there in the, like e even in media circles and Joe I know I think it was one of the things that Conway really took from Joe was was the stuff in the air he because he's not a big guy but he does very well in the air mm. um like he's great technique and he's been better there I think for longer 
I like I agree with Fergus. I think that the you know Jordan's come on massively, um, but I think Conway will probably edge it in that position just because I feel like he's played a bit more there. And just to pull it back for one second, like how sorry, how concerning is it to, to lose three stars? You won't be playing fullback with those no, hands. Anyway. No, thank God. Yeah, I think everyone's better off. <laughs> I was always a winger anyway. Uh, just pull back. For, like how concerning is it to lose three starters? You know, nailed on starters before you know, such a big game. Like it, I, I, these guys are great players and they can slot in. We know that Ireland can win this game with these guys playing, but. You know, how concerning is it to lose three guys like this if, they, if all of them are ruled out? I think it's really concerning, uh, to be honest with you. Um, like, Joe's been very consistent in his selections, you know, and, and while that gives great confidence and certainty uh, to the team in certain, you know, in certain positions, um, he hasn't, there's a few, a few ones that he hasn't really developed alternatives. And I think that, like, the, sorry, what I say, I, I know he's developed alternatives, but do they really, is there's, I still think there's quite a big gap between a few of them. I think, you look at maybe, uh, you know, like Rob Carney's probably one that's a standout. You know, he's been very like loyal to Rob for, for a long period when he went through kind of maybe a difficult patch in terms of form. And Rob's always produced for him in the big games. I always think he's a big game player, but he's had lots of injuries. You know, he's kind of injury prone with soft tissue stuff. So, um, you know, this is it's not a massive surprise to me that there's kind of been a few niggles. Robbie, in fairness, has struggled with injuries as well. Very, very important guy to the team. Um, so, like, it is worrying, you know, and you, 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 it's, it's, it's really, really not ideal, particularly for a few guys who he's really relied heavily on in a lot of the big games and who've been involved in most of Ireland's, I think, big games. So um, it is the risk with kind of being very, I think, you know, in terms of picking the guys, the same guys all the time, it, it does create this kind of concentration risk where if they're not there, you're going to say, geez, like, what, what's next? Um, and it's... Um, it's going to be difficult for the team to get to get around, and like if they're not ready for kind of two or three weeks after, um, you know, at what point do you say, "Geez, we need to bring Will Addison." Which over game here? is third again? Is it smaller? Russia's third. Russia's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have time I in think, your hands. Listen, I think <clears throat> it, it is a bit worrying in terms of you hope that the lads will get back fit yeah. and be able to stay fit for the latter rounds, which are the more important yeah. ones. So you take. Listen, you can take it against Scotland. I think that we do have their armory there to definitely beat them. And, yeah. and and hopefully beat them well enough. I think Scotland have been a bit all over the place, to be honest with you, for a, for a while. Um, they've, they've got the ability to pull a big performance out, but I just think that Joe will have the lads prime for this one, regardless of, of uh, who's picked. As yeah. you say, Johnny said to you that they're targeting this game for how long, and Joe yeah. would have been doing the exact same. They're on the same page. So if the boys can get back fit for, for, for that Russia game or even you know the, the Samoa, the last game, and 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 be ready then for a South Africa or or a New Zealand. Um, you'd you'd take them at that stage to be fit, hopefully. Because it's an interesting strategic kind of way Joe has to look at it now. Because as you say, like if they're right, right for three weeks time and it only they only get back a week before a quarter final. Like at what stage do you just say, okay, these guys are great players, but we're better off getting three fresh guys over and give them three four weeks run up. You know, even if it does mean cutting out, you know, dropping Hench out of a squad or dropping Kiderus or dropping Rob Carney if they're not fit. It is, that's an interesting argument, but I mean, it just suppose it just shows um, how much Joe rates these guys and what they've done for him over the past mm. uh, couple of seasons. I mean, uh, Keith Earls has been incredible for Ireland for all the time he's played under Joe Schmidt. So is Robbie Henshaw. Um, you know, if anything, you could say that Joe's been probably the person who's turned Robbie into the proper world-class operator he now is. Mm. Um and uh, you know, as you say, Rob's always been a big game player for him. So I, you know, I understand 
where he's coming from, but it is very risky. It's risky at this stage to be doing it because um, you just hope we don't pay for it down the line. It, like it's a, it's a tricky one to get right, like because as like at what point do you say like I, like personal opinion is, is I think you, you you absolutely stick with the guys if you feel like they're going to be ready. I think they're they're all uh, like they're all better than what's w- w- like who'll be replacing them at this current point. I think, um, so I think at this like as Fergus made a good point there. Like the key part is like I. We should have enough. Like I think the game against Scotland, it's going to be really key to be kind of locked down defensively. But I always think when we're playing Scotland, when we beat Scotland, is when our pack plays well. Like the foundation. Like I know it sounds like it's not like any new thinking here because everyone says it in every game. But mm-hmm. particularly for Scotland, I think the way you play them is you play them. You kind of try and squeeze them out. Like a wet, a wet day. Does I'm not that worried about it. You could probably suit us more. Definitely more than Scotland the way yeah. they play. Yeah. Like they, you know, they like to try. Um, they like to try a lot of risky stuff with with Finn Russell uh, steering the ship there. You know what he's like, particularly. He was loose when he played for Glasgow, but he's, he's, twice, <laughs> he's, as yeah, he's, he's twice as loose since he's gone to Racing. And that's not to say he can't have an amazing game. Of course he can. Um, he's pulled it out against the biggest teams, but um, the consistency of it, you know, is probably not, is, is not uh, at the level that I'm sure he'd like it to be. So, um, I mean, we can go after him in that weather, I think, and try yeah. try pull a few um, scores off the back of our defence in that game. He's got looser and, dare I say, slightly heavier since moving to uh, to Paris, I think. I'll be, the, I'll be the last person passing judgment on people's <laughs> weight, but I think, um, yeah, look, he has a little bit, and, it'll, you know, French rugby will probably allow a little bit more for that. Um, but, you know, I think as well, it like the weather, like I think they still have kind of, they're possibly more expansive in the backs as well with, with the hog particularly like a bit of, bit of bad weather is no harm even though his kicking game will be strong in the conditions like having a bit of bad weather around him is, is no bad thing because it'll slow him down a little bit and he's been a real threat for Ireland he's a he, he's a, he's a he's so hard to handle when he's uh, when he's fit um, he's just so good going forward nice handler of the football as well so he, he, he can create space for others he's a real problem um, and definitely their biggest threat in the back line alongside like Finn Russell with coming out with something very creative all those things become a lot harder in the weather and I personally think like one of Ireland's strongest suits like our front like our, our two props our four props even who are on the bench like it's such a strong part of the team our scrum very very strong we have a few line out concerns you'd hope they get that right by the time but like our second row pairing like outstanding like I mean Ian Henderson carrying the ball um, you know I'm, I'm not sure there's a better second row in the world at, at carrying the ball uh, maybe Nakarawa but geez, Ian Henderson for just pure power um, and, and footwork and stuff and James Ryan like I mean he's a, he's a probably you, know, you can make a fairly good argument that he's our best, he's the best player in the team fairly close behind Johnny himself and Johnny Sexton Conor Murray like kind of neck and neck on that one for me um, he's just an unbelievable operator so I feel like the winning in the game is in that part of it um, and having those guys fit is really really important It's actually an interesting match up though regards to the players the actual coaches um, mm. you know obviously Gregor Townsend there now I know that I remember under when Gregor was still, Starting co- still, off. Coach, yeah, still coaching yeah. Glasgow and, yeah. and he was doing quite well with Glasgow for a while mm. but they're, they could play great rugby but the, the, there was lack of consistency there before they won that Pro Pro 12 and I know that I think him and Joe would have he kept in close enough contact he would have been you know, looking to get nuggets of knowledge off Joe because the rugby Joe was playing with Leinster at the time was on a different level to anyone else in Europe for a couple of seasons. Mm. And I think he tried to base his model with Glasgow around what Joe had been doing, loads of detail around some of their plays, etc. And it's just funny how you haven't, I haven't really seen that shine through that much mm. with, with the Scottish team. It's, you know, I think he, he did an awful lot better with that 
that Glasgow group yeah. and even though a lot of those players came to the Scottish group um, they haven't really seemed to kick on under him which is a funny one I think the player pool is a bit of a challenge for them in Scotland more so than like Glasgow like you're looking at like it, you know when you're playing against lots of teams it's pretty much the Scottish team like there's a huge amount of them are in the Scottish team you know so like I pro he probably has a big advantage in terms of professional clubs you know? uh, yeah so like it's a big I, I'd say with Glasgow he's working with better better quality versus the opposition whereas he come to international like there's bigger playing pools in different countries that I think probably comes against them a little bit in terms of, of section like they have a very good team but I think um, I think we have a better team and I think lots of other teams have better teams so it's a big challenge for them to get the, the same kind of cohesiveness and per, and definitely the dominance that, that Glasgow's pack can get on top of other teams whereas I don't, I'm don't, i not necessarily sure the Scottish team can do that to other packs so that I think that's kind of a key component in terms of like implementing a kind of structured game plan for Scotland that's the challenge for them I think And the two backlines playing at their best would be tightened like it would yeah. be close enough but I just think that the Irish pack is is an awful lot better than the Scottish pack. And I think yeah. in the in past seasons when Ireland have played well against Scotland, it's been our pack have just blown them away. Yeah. And I can just see that happening in the first game, particularly if it's wet. Yeah. And just to finish up then on the other big game of the weekend, New Zealand versus uh, South Africa set up, you know, so so nicely after mm -hmm. the you know rugby championship they just they drew, but it was a really good game. It was in New Zealand. You know, who will you be supporting? Like who would you rather see Ireland play? Because I guess we're gonna we could be facing the losers potentially. Yeah, honestly I don't honestly I don't really care. Uh I just it'll be just a great game of rugby to watch. Thankfully, I don't need to be worrying about playing against uh, either team in 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 the quarter. Um, but it's a tough it's a tough one. Like this argument's been yeah. uh, rallied around, you know, for the past probably month as to you know who Ireland could face and South Africa. Now you could say they're perfectly peaking for the tournament. Yeah. They've been playing some great rugby. Um, they've you know pulled a few. Guys in from who are playing their rugby in Europe who've added like a huge amount to the group and uh, under Razi Erasmus, I just think like you'd nearly, I don't know you'd nearly take New Zealand. I think I think there's the fact that they're playing Bowden Barrett at fifteen um, and uh, there's a small bit of uncertainty as to who their best ten could be. We've beaten them twice under Joe Schmidt. Uh, I mean, potentially go for New Zealand. Big call, yeah. I mean, like I, I still think that they're gonna play Bowden Barrett at ten in the big matches. I feel like it was they were kind of trying to. I, I know that it's like the, you could make the other side of the argument is that they're gonna say that the the kicking hasn't been good enough in some occasions. That's kind of cost them. But I just have to feel like they were gonna play Bowden Barrett there. I just think he's their best ten, even though Mung is a lovely player. Um, I still think there's a difference, and the physical presence that Barrett has around there, he's such a threat. You know, I I just feel like that that that's probably what'll happen there. And I think they're probably better on the wings and at fullback than South Africa. That's a big difference. So I feel like it's a really tight call. I think you can make a good argument to say the South African pack might be better than the New Zealand pack, particularly if Rotalic is not is not playing in that New Zealand pack. But but I do think that on the wings, while they have some serious threat, you know, in terms of the running game, I think in the air, I could kind of see Ireland getting a route into the game there. Um, whereas with New Zealand, I just have trouble seeing where we get in, where we get into the game. Now I know people are talking about the centre partnership in New Zealand um, not being as strong as it was, um, and they could make a good case because it looks like Sonny Bill might have picked up a bad injury. But you know, but any of the bigger games in the lead into the World Cup, they yeah. they did play Barrett at, at, at fifteen. They played yeah. Richie Monga there. Yeah. Um, so I mean. Yeah, it looks like they could start him, and they could well do. Sorry, to, I'm we're talking to yeah. Jameson uh, and uh, you know a couple of the lads inside, and James as well. They think he could easily start. He's hugely, hugely rated over there. He's been playing um, one of the best 
players in the, in the Super 15 over the past couple of seasons. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's interesting I think times, isn't it? Mm. Like, it's very, because it's the first time I've seen them, like, I, I my own take on it was that I felt like they were kind of, it, there was, it's like a 2007 thing against France where they're like, make sure you got a brilliant 10 and backup. Um, and I thought they were giving him some proper time in in, a, in the rugby championship to really develop himself there. Otherwise, if Bowden Barrett gets injured, they were like, well, we've no one to replace him. Because I still think they're going to pick Ben Smith at 15 and I think they're going to pick Bowden Barrett at 10. Would be, it's, mm. it's my own take. And in the big ones, I always feel like the guy's produced. He's been the player of the year a few times in a row. Mm. The kicking is the concern with him. Uh, and Moong has been so good. Like his kicking stats, I think, in Super Rugby were off the charts, weren't they? Mm. Um, so it's difficult. I can see what, like, yeah, I, you could easily... So who would you rather close your answer? I'd rather, I think I'd rather South Africa because I can kind of see an in into the game. Yeah. As I said, on the, on the wings, I just feel like there's just, uh, that's somewhere where I feel, I feel like we can get at them. I know their pack might be more physical and difficult to, you know, you know, I, I don't really see an in for us in, in terms of scrummaging against them. I think that'll be fairly even. The line out, they could pose a bigger problem there. When's the last us? time we played South Africa? 2017. The tour, wasn't it? It yeah. was 38-3. This was Kutsi just before he got sacked. I think it was James Ryan he was starting in, in the November series. They still beat us 2 1, wasn't it? But we had a very different No, that was the summer before. This is 2017. In, oh, in, in November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I absolutely hammered. So, them. listen, we haven't played them. We haven't played them in a couple of years. We haven't played I, them since yeah, Erasmus came in. So that's, the way, that's the way I look at it. I just yeah. think that South Africa seemed like a better yeah. oiled um, machine good. at the moment. I just yeah. think that they look like they've got a good culture there amongst the guys that, you know, that's what Razzy Erasmus was brought in for. Mm. Um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's if South Africa um, beat them in the first first game and and on top that group. And what's your read on Felix Jones coming into the setup? Like it's an it's, it seems to have gotten inside Joe Schmidt's head a bit from just listening to him in press conferences before the tournament. Uh, like, how much do you think realistically he can bring about insight into what Ireland like to do? Um, massive amount. Yeah, <laughs> you know he he missed out on going to the World Cup in two thousand and fifteen as well, um, through injury. Yeah, uh, he got injured in like the uh, was the last game or second last game. Yeah, it was a I think it was a game in the Aviva. And yeah, he got it was yeah. injured unfortunately for him because he was actually going great in that, that preseason. But it's a huge amount. He was with them for that entire time, so we didn't know exactly what Joe likes to do and um, how much importance he he puts in certain aspects of the game and all the rest. Um, and I mean, I'd be surprised if it's in Joe's head, but I was delighted for for Felix Jones because um, I would I'm. It didn't sound like a dismissal from Munster, but it sounded like something went wrong down there and he left, um, which I'm sure wasn't easy for him um, because I thought, you know, if anything, uh, the backland had been going reasonably well under the the attributes he had within it over the past um, few seasons. Um, So I think he'll bring something different to South Africa. I think it'll be refreshing for for that backline to hear a new voice as well. So um, I'd say he could go well for them, yeah. Good guy. Like he's just mm. he's kind of like there's a reason that well I obviously I feel the same about him I'm delighted for him that he got a good opportunity because a traitor are you yeah no but I'm delighted I just think like he's a really one of the really good yeah. guys uh, you like to see good things happen to people who kind of work hard um, and he was a really like very much in the in the in the Ferg mold I think like worked really hard at his craft all the time you know super fit all the time in great shape um, and tough like really tough guy. Uh, flew into tackles and that stuff and you see how like he's he's he seems to have made the transition very similarly like I'd say he's working really hard he'd be a guy you'd like you'd love to to have on your coaching ticket so 
Um, I was kind of surprised he left, but it's great to, to land on his feet in there. And I think he could have a huge impact. Like the stuff he's learned from Joe um, and from his time in, in Munster, like you think he'd be a massive benefit for them, particularly if they come up against us. But even on a, on a grander scale than that, it's not just a PR move. Um, the guy will add value in there. Well, yeah, even if it was a PR move, it, it would get inside like Joe yeah. Smith's head. Like, he will. Joe thinks of, I think he tries to cover as many bases as possible. And that's something that he'll be like, he'll be annoyed at because he won't he be able to quantify. <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those ones where you're kind of saying, like it's hard to quantify what impact he could have, but I'm pretty sure he would have an impact and mm-hmm. definitely a positive one for them. Well, it's supposed to be a cracking first weekend. Just to bring it to a close, maybe we get the predictions for the two big games, Ireland, Scotland and New Zealand, South Africa. Luke, who um, I'm going to go with uh, Ireland um, and I think... A tight one, a, a, you know, a comfortable one? Uh, it? Depend- it has to be tight if the weather's as bad as they, they say, I think. Um, but I think... Um, I think it'll be we could control the game I think it could be a comfortable but it'll be it'll be tight in the, on the scoreline uh, if the weather's that bad and in terms of New Zealand South Africa I'm going with New Zealand um, I think uh, it'll be pretty hot out there it'll be a good good dry track and um, I just think it'll it'll suit them it'll suit their ball playing forwards and that if they can move the South African pack around I think they'll, they'll get on top of them and beat them well, I, I bet you a coffee that South Africa going to be done. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can bring it to the studio next week. None of this cheap stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, South Africa, for me, um, I think they will big da- win that one. I think it'll be a bit of a shock. Uh, okay. I think there could be a couple of shocks in that first weekend. I think that, that I think could see that first 50 minutes of the Fiji-Australia game being very tight. I could see Fiji taking... The back line is like... They're incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so if they get any are, kind of ball, they'll be a disaster. If only Nadola was still there. Like, oh, oh, like, it was a weird one he didn't go, but look, it's a sad I'm pretty sure he's being strung on by Yaltrad. <laughs> like, not to play. Yeah, don't know if Fred Radra and his two is over that much worse. Pretty yeah. good in France. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty good movers. And then the Irish game, I think, you know, agree with Luke uh, on that one. I think Ireland, but I think it'll be a one-score game, particularly if it's going to be wet, but I just think our pack will outmuscle them. Yeah. And France, Argentina, we didn't have time to talk about it. Any, any quick thoughts? It's so, Very it's, quick it's, thoughts. Like France like is an unknown, uh, France unknown quantity. Um, <laughs> and I think Argentina, I think Argentina will take that one. Well, the two of them, it, it's a funny one because the two of them are, are World Cup teams, aren't they? They just pull yeah. it together for World Cups no matter how they're going, yeah. particularly France. So makes for exciting viewing, but uh, I'm going to go for France. Well, thanks, guys. Week one of our three-man World Cup pod in the books. Luke, Fergus, thanks for joining me. Cheers, Will. Cheers. That's all we have time for in the left wing this week in association with Aldi. Thanks so much for listening. A reminder that myself and Luke Fitzgerald will be at the National Plowing Championships in Carlo tomorrow for a show at 2 o'clock. So make sure if you're around that area to pop in and say hello. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. podcast in association with Aldi. Spend 30 euro in store for a chance to win 50,000 euro for your primary school.